Taiwan's military exchanges with the U.S. have caught much media attention in recent weeks as China escalates tension in the Taiwan Strait. The exchanges include the U.S. visit of Taiwanese Army Commander Xu Yanpu, uh, who has participated with counterparts in Washington-based high-level military talks. Analysts say the security cooperation between Taiwan and the U.S. serves as a strong deterrent to China against taking of any actions to invade Taiwan. The video shows the PLA simulating warship strikes off China's east coast and carrying out beach landing exercises in southern Fujian. The video was one of many released by Chinese state media in the days leading up to and immediately following Taiwan's National Day. Military analysts say the intensity of Chinese incursions into Taiwan's air defense identification zone have been at an all-time high. On October 4th, a PLA jet posed a considerable threat when it came as close as 14 nautical miles to Taiwan's Dongsha Islands. The Ministry of National Defense said it had a full grasp of the situation. We all have a very clear picture of the recent developments. Be they intermittent or continuous, the ministry is on top of the situation. With tensions growing in the Taiwan Strait, Army Commander Xu Yanpu has led a delegation to the U.S. to conduct high-level military exchanges in Washington. The delegation is also scheduled to visit the U.S. Indo-Pacific Command in Hawaii. The Biden administration is connecting with allies more extensively, and that is further deepening Taiwan's security. High-level talks between Taiwan and the U.S. will continue. Military exchanges between Taiwan and the U.S. have previously caught media attention. Earlier this month, a U.S. news outlet reported that U.S. Special Forces units had been stationed in Taiwan for more than a year. And back in July, U.S. Army Colonel Brady Crozier, who is posted at the American Institute in Taiwan, appeared on a Ministry of National Defense television program, marking the first time an active-duty U.S. military officer has taken part in a televised broadcast of the Taiwan military. To this day, the U.S. and Taiwan have cooperated closely on all sorts of security issues. The U.S. continues to deepen its security cooperations with Taiwan and is becoming more vocal about the relationship. Defense analysts say that by showing U.S. commitments to Taiwan, China is unlikely to initiate a military strike against Taiwan. Basically, the U.S. understands that China is increasing its military pressure on Taiwan. They know that's something that China does to curb so-called Taiwan independence. But they won't take concrete military action to invade Taiwan. At the same time, China understands that the U.S. is committed to Taiwan security, and that's something that the U.S. won't walk away from. With the U.S. ramping up its posture in China containment, military exchanges between Taiwan and the U.S. are expected to grow. President Tsai Ing-wen on Monday delivered remarks in a pre-recorded message for the Forum 2000 conference held in the Czech Republic and online. In the video, Tsai said Taiwan was ready to work with like-minded countries to safeguard the democratic world order. Let's hear what she said. I am glad to see that this year's Forum 2000 conference is dedicated to facilitating discussions between democracies and their advocates to deliberate on these pressing and vital issues. Our friends from Central and Eastern Europe know all too well how precious democracy and freedom are. Emerging from the pandemic, authoritarian regimes are now even more confident that 
their alternative model is more adaptive than the democratic systems. Through brain zone activities, military threats, and information manipulation, authoritarian regimes aim to erode our citizens' confidence in democratic institutions and polarize our societies. Taiwan stands on the front line of this assault, and we have been working diligently to combat such coercion. We will share our experience and continue working with like-minded countries to safeguard the liberal democratic world order and to tackle the unprecedented challenges from authoritarian regimes. President Tsai further called for the negotiation and signing of bilateral investment agreements between the EU and Taiwan. She added that Taiwan was prepared to be an indispensable partner to Europe in the areas of democratic reform, biotechnology, reusable energy, data protection, ocean management and semiconductor production. Former President Ma Ying-jeou and KMT Chairman Eric Zhu on Tuesday voiced criticism of President Tsai Ing-wen's National Day address. Among other issues, Tsai had said that the ROC and the PRC should not be subordinated to each other. Ma has described those elements as unconstitutional, while Chu denounced the speech as an attempt to change the status quo. President, uh, Premier Susan Tsang has responded to the comments, saying that at times like this, Taiwan should be united against the Chinese Communist Party's attempts to rewrite history. Former President Ma Ying-jeou and KMT Chair Eric Chu sing the national anthem. A day after the National Day celebrations, the two officials took the stage together and voiced criticism of President Tsai Ing-wen's National Day address. In her speech, Tsai had said that the ROC and the PRC should not be subordinate to each other. The KMT politicians also said that Tsai had implied that the ROC's history had begun with its retreat to Taiwan. They say it is a violation of the Constitution. Basically, it violates the principles of the Constitution, and it's not in the best interest of the Taiwanese people. It also has a negative impact on Taiwan-U.S. relations, so we believe such remarks should be reconsidered. Saying that they are two different countries is unconstitutional. It's a change to the status quo, which is also part of the independence playbook. President Tsai keeps on saying that she wants to maintain the status quo, but instead keeps on changing it. In response, Premier Su Zhenchang noted that the KMT party was about to lose its claim to the 1911 Xinhai Revolution to the Chinese Communist Party. He remarked that at present, Taiwan would be best served by coming together in a united front. Now, China not only wants to invade Taiwan and swallow us up, it even wants to claim the Xinhai Revolution for itself and claim Taiwan despite having never actually ruled Taiwan. The KMT is being played by the CCP. The PRC blatantly misrepresents history, and the KMT refuses to stand up and answer them. Instead, the KMT actually sings along with them. They have no shame. The Beijing authorities are right now maneuvering to misrepresent the Xinhai Revolution. We want to point out that the ROC to this day stands proud and firm. President Tsai's National Day remarks have ruffled feathers in the KMT and across the street. Mainland Affairs Council Minister Chiu Tai-san stressed that the constitution is that Taiwan's sovereignty is to be decided by the 23 million people of Taiwan. 
So the Harvard Beijing Academy Summer Chinese Language Program is due for a change in 2022. According to a report in the Harvard Review, the program will leave Beijing and start operations in Taipei in cooperation with National Taiwan University. And the study abroad program's name will change to Harvard Taipei Academy. The program's director says China's unfriendly academic environment is one of the main reasons for the move. NTU has confirmed that the first Harvard Taipei Academy will launch with 60 students who will take eight weeks of intensive Chinese language classes. Students will also have opportunities to visit local sites and attractions such as Zhou Fen and Shiling Night Market, as well as try their hand at cultural activities such as calligraphy and Chinese chess. The global pandemic has slowed down over the past few weeks. In Taiwan, a group of health experts convened virtually to weigh the next steps of the country's COVID fight. Stephanie Yang has the highlights. Public health scholars met virtually to discuss the latest developments in the pandemic. Chen Shouxi from the National Taiwan University's Department of Public Health said that the global pandemic has been easing. Uh, uh, Relatively speaking, the epidemic in Taiwan is well controlled. As for the pandemic at large, it is slowing down as well. RT values are moving toward one, so the virus transmissibility has declined these past two weeks. However, there is still a lot of confirmed cases, mainly due to the unvaccinated. Although Taiwan has maintained its level 2 alert, it has been loosening restrictions. Professor Chen says the world needs to learn to coexist with the virus using robust monitoring systems and other tools. Antigen rapid screening has been emphasized many times in the past. The focus is detect infections early on so that the virus does not continue to spread in the community. I have seen cases of this working well. They include the Pingdong Delta virus case and the Miaoli migrant workers case. Over time, Taiwan's epidemic has gradually come under control. An important part of how to coexist with the virus is to ensure that the workplace is safe. We need to learn from the experience of Europe and the United States. At present, there are many apps or technology-based methods. They can be integrated with test results to provide information to users about whether someone has antibodies or has gotten vaccinated before. Working with the Taipei City government, Taipei Medical University Hospital conducted serology antibody testing for 5,000 people in Taipei's Wanhua area. Taipei Medical University physician Wang Sinda pointed out that antibody testing can provide an understanding of COVID spread in a community. It can help authorities block possible sources of infection. On the one hand, we can understand the actual situation of infection in this community. Besides people who are diagnosed, they might be hidden infections with mild or asymptomatic conditions. Through such a serum survey, we were able to clearly grasp the actual prevalence of the Wanhua community. In addition, through such investigations, we can more clearly clarify the entire path and the way the virus spreads. 
This allows us to adjust our epidemic prevention methods or actions to further block possible infection sources more efficiently. Experts say that serology testing is key to early intervention because it can find cases of latent infections that are asymptomatic or mild. In addition, it can also be used to monitor community spread. For Muslim News, Stephanie Yang, Lu Botong in Taipei. About 600,000 lucky people were picked in a raffle on Tuesday as winners of the Tourism Bureau's travel vouchers, which have a value of $1,000. Taiwan's travel sector is getting ready for a boom in domestic tourism, fueled by the government's uh, voucher programs. Theme parks and tour buses are among some of the businesses launching complimentary offers for travelers. Tourism Bureau held the first raffle for its travel voucher plan on Tuesday. Winners this time around are participants whose ID numbers end in 21, 32, 67, 97, 98, and 410. That comes to around 603,000 people in total. The Transport Ministry's travel voucher plan is a complementary program under the quintuple stimulus vouchers that offers an additional 2.4 million vouchers for 1,000 NT dollars each in domestic travel. In the next three weeks, a raffle will be held every Tuesday to select 600,000 more winners every week. The vouchers will be available for pickup on Fridays following a raffle and will be usable from November 1st. We will pick around 2.4 million winners, but that doesn't mean that only 2.4 million people will take a trip. Sometimes travelers bring their families along or they call up friends to join them on excursions around Taiwan with the same itinerary together. So basically, the voucher plan should have a doubling effect. Meanwhile, almost 20 theme parks around Taiwan have launched complimentary offers for people paying with quintuple stimulus vouchers. They include buy one get one free offers on a mission, one child free for every adult, discounts on select purchases, and even tickets to a lottery with a prize of 1 million NT dollars. A Taiwan tour bus group is offering 200 NT dollars to customers for every 1,000 NT dollars spent on 79 routes. That means a 1,200 NT dollar trip would cost just 1,000 NT dollars. We offer tour services, and our tour guides offer detailed explanations all throughout the journey. That is the biggest specialty of Taiwan Tour Bus. We promote Taiwan tourism to both local and international travelers, offering the best way to see Taiwan. More raffles are coming for seven more kinds of special vouchers over the next four weeks. So quintuple stimulus vouchers went up for collection at post offices nationwide on Tuesday. To, set, uh, to pick up a set, members of the public must first make an appointment online or by telephone to reduce crowding. About 500,000 vouchers are expected to be handed out through this system every day. After November 1st, appointments will no longer be required. Quintuple stimulus vouchers became available for collection at post offices nationwide on Tuesday. Thanks to an appointment system and designated counters, some say the whole pickup process took just 20 seconds. It's quite convenient. I originally thought I'd come in early to avoid a crowd, but in the end, the whole process was smooth. Post offices began taking collection appointments by phone and online on October 4th to pick up the vouchers between October 12th and October 30th. All you need is your NHI card and family members' NHI cards if picking up the vouchers on their behalf. Post offices have opened up designated counters for the procedure and expect to hand out 500,000 sets of vouchers nationwide every day. 
offices will also be open Saturdays on October 16th and October 23rd, with up to 700,000 voucher sets expected to be collected each of those days. I collected my vouchers and my wife's together. I did it by appointment. You just book a slot and arrange to pick them up. It's hassle-free. I didn't sign up to collect them at a convenience store. I managed to get an appointment here today. On day one of the rollout at post offices, some members of the public were unaware that appointments were needed. Drop-in collection will not begin until November 1st. Last year, you could just come over, hand them $1,000 and get the vouchers. It's not the same this time around. As of 10.30 a.m., more than 130,000 sets of vouchers have been distributed around Taiwan. Deputy Transport Minister Qi Wenzhong says crowds weren't too big in the morning. There's not as many people as I had expected. Of course, as I just said, it's because of the weather. But also, I don't think the public feels a need to rush. Over in Hualien, Jinmen, Mazu and Taoyuan's Fuxing district, working classes have been suspended due to the weather. The 12,000 people who had booked appointments in these areas will have to reschedule a pickup time. This fall, there's a special scene unfolding for visitors to observe at Taipei Zoo. The Lar Gibbon, also known as the White-Handed Gibbon, is a popular resident. In recent weeks, one Gibbon is playing delivery monkey, bringing food out to all his family. Peter Pan, as he's known, um, even lets other animals join in too. Although he scuppers uh, zookeepers' plants, they say it shows a highly evolved social life among the monkeys. Largibbons swing from branch to branch with their long, furry, and extremely dexterous arms. When it all gets a bit much, they stretch out on the tree trunk. This guy looks totally relaxed, maybe getting a bit peckish. And soon his brother swings by with a takeaway delivery. It's been going on a couple of months because we've been trying to keep the animals inside. So we're always trying to put the food indoors and then the big brother Gibbon always brings it out. And that's led to the younger brothers not being willing to go indoors. On the left is Peter Pan, the dedicated delivery monkey. Zookeepers have been putting food indoors in an attempt to make enough space to dredge the water in the enclosure. But Peter Pan likes to bring the food out to near the water for his brothers. The neighbor Reeves Monk Jack appreciates a nice takeaway too. I think it's really funny. <laughs> Perhaps they're conscious of public health too, so they don't want to dine indoors. <laughs> this little girl says she'd get her family to come eat in a dining room. Zookeepers wish Peter Pan had the same sensibilities, but they have to admit, it's a joy to watch the Gibbon family eating happily together. In general, sharing food like this is a special behavior model that only occurs among higher-order animals, including humans. So when it occurs among the La Gibbons, we find it very interesting. But it does mean we can't dredge the water this year. We'll have to try again next year. The dredging plan is postponed, but Peter Pan and his family are enjoying a delightful fall in the sunshine. Let's head now to New Taipei to meet a sesame oil, oil producer who still uses ancient methods. Wang Yanbo's grandpa founded the factory 70 years ago, bringing a traditional method of making oil using water from his homeland of Shandong Province, China. Now, decades later, sesame oil of the highest quality is still being produced in the family factory. Ginger and garlic are stir-fried in white sesame oil. 
In goes the chicken. The flame leaps up, and it socks up the sesame's richness. The oil also goes great on noodles, but to cook up a batch, you'll need a whole week. Sesames are poured into a machine to be purified and then roasted. The sesame is toasted, but not too hot. The head producer has to keep a constant eye on the fire. Usually, it's done when you see an earthen yellow or slightly coffeeish color in there. If it's not ripe enough, the sesames are hard to prise open. The toasted sesames are then ground into sesame paste and mixed with water so the oil separates. It's stirred so white sesame oil gradually rises to the top. It's siphoned off ladle by ladle and settles for a week before finally emerging as clear white sesame oil. It has to absorb the water to extrude the oil. You have to get the water level just right as well. In fact, if there's too much, the oil will be cloudy. This sesame oil maker is a total sesame buff now, but he started off studying project management in the U.S. He came back to Taiwan to take part in a singing competition. Then, in 2013, after the scandal erupted over unhygienic cooking oils, he decided to move back to his hometown to enter the industry. I thought this business has come all the way down from my grandpa to my dad to now. If I don't go and take it on properly, then maybe in the future the method will disappear. Wang had to learn the trade from scratch in the last few years. He's now a third-generation sesame expert, creating oil just like his grandpa did. The Central Weather Bureau lifted its sea warning for tropical storm Kompasu at 8 a.m. on Tuesday, while warning that more torrential rain could be to come. The storm's periphery may continue bringing rains to Taiwan's east coast, causing extensive flooding. The rainy weather will ease somewhat on Wednesday. Localized downpours are expected to con continue in the east, while the north and other areas may see in intermittent showers. Starting Thursday, the rainy weather everywhere will recede and make way for colder temperatures Saturday through Monday. Northeasterly winds will send lows plummeting as low as 20 degrees in northern Taiwan. So be sure to keep a jacket at hand when heading out this weekend.